All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eigbra, and joined with me is not the captain tonight. The captain is actually perked up on a beach in Florida, probably sipping margaritas, having the time of his life, getting some much-needed rest. So instead, tonight, uh, coming back again is Mr. Drew Gregory, here to, uh, I guess, technically for the viewers, my right, but to me, it's like my left. And uh, <laughs> on the bottom, uh, Mr. Zach Hall, who hasn't been on the show in a while, so it's good to have you back, buddy. Uh, fellas, thank you, thank what's going you. on? Not much, man. Good for the captain, though. Good for you, Mr. Full. Get out there, yeah. you know, yeah, get some sun. I know off. you're talking that it was going to be 90s. Enjoy it. You deserve it, buddy. You work hard, so. He's been grinding, like guiding every day. I mean, he's loving it all, but it uh, it was a much-needed couple days of rest for Mr. Oh, yeah. Mr. I'm Andy sure Full. it's a lot warmer down there, too. It's probably still been, what, pretty chilly up there on his guide trips, huh? Yeah, so we – um. We had on the uh, one of our buddies that came flew over from Wisconsin that will uh, there's there's going to be some stuff announced here soon that will be significant to why he came and, you know, flew out and fished with us this past weekend. But we went and took him out and it was supposed to be 63 and sunny and it turned into 42 pouring rain and absolutely frigid. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but we smashed him. So it was OK. So it kind of like yeah. gold the cold for us. Uh, but yeah, no, it's good. I'm sure he's, he's enjoying himself and it'll be spoiled when he comes back up to Buffalo and it's still like in the thirties. Uh, oh. so it, it is, it's kind of, I'm okay with it. Cause it prolongs our pre-spawn. You yeah. Know, thank God for smallmouth. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, but fellas, we got a, we have an interesting topic tonight that I've been pretty excited to talk about because there is really a lot of misconceptions still around kayak fishing being that it's is growing so fast, but there still are a lot of folks that don't understand it fully. And it's not to any of their faults. I think it's just more of just letting the the sport gain its recognition. And obviously you have to really, I think, invest your time to understand it fully. Because unless you're looking into the sport itself from the outside, there's not a lot of, you know, I, I, what I'm trying to say is that from the sport, there's not a lot of education on kayak fishing uh, unless you're in a kayak fishing outlet or page or that type of deal, or you're purposely looking for kayak fishing content, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does for sure. Yeah. So folks, I mean, tonight, what we're going to be getting into, feel free to throw, you know, what you think you know, in the comments, you know, what might be a myth of kayak fishing? What might be a misconception in your eyes? We got a whole list of them and big shout out to the serious angler crew, uh, folks that follow us on social that put a crap ton of them out on Facebook um, that's going to be helping us a lot tonight. So I'll be sure to give you guys a little plug for the folks that uh, put a comment in on our social uh, of some misconceptions of kayak fishing. But uh, guys, I mean, I think we could probably just hop right into it. You guys got anything before we want to get started here? Man, I'm no. not really other than I'm about to post this uh, on my story. So hopefully we can get some more people engaged here. But uh, I was going to say, if I happen to ro- have to run away for a second, it's probably because the ki- one of the kids woke up or something crazy. And I can't wait for uh, for you, Bailey, one of these days, if, if you ever make that choice, if you have kids, I can't wait for you to uh, have this joy and experience putting to bed a four-year-old. Zach, I know you you know, you know got the same experience. So, But anyway, uh-huh. it's uh, so who knows what's going to happen upstairs. But anyway, um, he was a little rambunctious tonight. But I, you feel okay. like, you know, you feel so accomplished when you get a, a four-year-old to bed. Like, 
you, but yet you're so exhausted. Uh-huh. Like the third or third or fourth day of a tournament, you're like so exhausted. By the time you get in the bed, you're like, I just want to go to bed now. I'm like, uh-huh. okay. but anyway. So if I, if I have to run, that's all I want to say. That's uh, I'll be right back. So yeah, anytime they go to bed early, it's like a mini celebration in your mind. Like, what am I going to do? Vacation. Yeah, that's right. That's true, man. It is. That's fun. I'm ready to rock. Ready to rock, man. All right. So I mean, while you post that, I mean, Zach, what's what's the first one that tops your list of a myth or misconception of kayak fishing? Let's just jump right in. Let's see. I got some notes here. Um, and I hear this a lot from people because I work for a dealership that sells all the White River Marine Group boats like Nitro, Tahoe, Sun Tracker, <clears throat> Bass Tracker. So we get a lot of people in there that have zero understanding of kayak fishing or mm-hmm. anything regarding kayak fishing for that matter. And we get to talking about fishing. And I tell them that I kayak fish a lot. And the first thing that they pops in their head is I couldn't do that, man, because you can't <laughs> stand up and fish out of a kayak. <laughs> like that they've never seen anybody stand up and fish out of one i guess you know uh that's the one i hear i hear a lot and you absolutely can stand and fish in a kayak and a lot of models now you know all, all the sit on top fishing kayaks like there's so many there's endless amounts of brands and models that you can actually stand up and fish comfortably comfortably out of even as a bigger guy i'm a smaller guy so i have zero problem but even the bigger guys have zero problem in a lot of the models too yeah. Make a great look at Christine Fisher and what she does with her Hobie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, standing on the very front. Yeah, dude, I, the, I was joking yeah. with some guys at the the Hobie event on uh, Ufala that I was gonna make a, a duel, like a side by side clip of her like walking to the absolute bow of her Hobie, fighting a giant and like not falling in, or even like like or sort of like close to falling in, and then I'm gonna try to walk out to mine and just fall off. Mm. <laughs> But it's it's crazy what you can actually do with them. I mean, I've seen people standing up on like the little pelicans, like the sit-ins that people stand in. Like, granted, that's not yeah. like ideal, but you definitely can. I mean, majority I think of kayaks you see in a tournament setting, you can absolutely stand up in now. I don't think you yeah. there's anything you can't. Drew, anything yeah. to add on that? No, I was just gonna say this is probably the best one to start with. I'm so glad you mentioned this one, Zach, because it never even crossed my mind because I'm so deep into the kayak fishing forest. This is something that came up when I first started designing kayaks early with Jackson, when I designed the Kusa, it was designed to stand and fish out of. And I was standing previously in a wreck kayak from ocean kayak called the caper. And it's 11 foot, like super small, not flat on the floor at all. I'm not meant to stand in. And people were looking at me just with, you know, side eyes, like, what is this guy doing? So I obviously designed a boat that was made to, to stand in and all the, you know, next boats all were made to stand in as well. And then, of course, of course, they all are today. But anyway, I've forgotten about that point because it's just so just obvious to me. Like, of course, these things yeah. are made to stand. And that's a huge part of bass fishing, a huge advantage. Why in the world would you not build a kayak that's standable? You know, the only mm-hmm. exception being if you really re- I can't stand in my little 10 foot ultralight. But yeah, the most of them are standable and hardly anybody fishes out of a boat that small anyway. And um, yeah, if you if you really wanted to get super fast in a touring kayak for a Hobie or something, you could, but like, there's no point because Hobies go faster or as fast as that anyway, and you can stand in them. So why would you want to be at a disadvantage and not be able to stand but go as fast paddling? You wouldn't. So it's a moot point yeah. because all the other trails allow motors, and just get a you know narrow, skinniest one you can, put a motor on it, and you can go as fast as possible and still stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. this is actually kind of a cool deal too because a lot of the comments we got in were kind of like reminders of some of the you know i guess i should say luxuries 
of kayak fishing that we kind of, you know, maybe the three of us, because we're so deep into it and so focused and been in it for a while that we kind of forget like we're at the beginning where it was kind of like the cool things to you, like being able to stand up on a kayak, especially for uh-huh. someone like me where you didn't have the boat experience prior. So it's, uh, that, that yeah. is a really good one to start with is it is for sure. But you know what you just said is funny, Bailey, because, because we're so deep into it. Some of the ones we're going to get to next are actually only ones that us being so deep into it would actually know and understand. So it's kind of funny how that, it also works out. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think a really good segue from that is that people don't understand one that you can't stand up, but then people think that you have to like hang within a couple hundred feet of the ramp. Like yeah. that you can't yeah. like go four miles away. Like there's times where you can go, you know, up. To, I've been 10 miles from a ramp where people yep. don't think a kayak is as mobile. You know, they think it's one where you have to launch and be within the eyesight of the launch or it's dangerous. And I know Zach, I'm sure you have something to add on that too. Cause I think we were chatting about that at the same point. Um, and I believe it was just that people think you can't be too far offshore, which is one that I take, it's like a huge pet peeve of mine, which we'll get into. In a yeah. What do you guys think yeah. about that? Like the whole mobility thing. And you guys like say like anyone, like a boater will tell you like, surprise you're so far away from the ramp type of deal. Yeah. It's a surprising thing for boaters for sure. Especially when you got people like you Bailey that are on brush piles, what four miles off the bank somewhere that some guy dropped and thinking nobody's ever going to find it. And you're so good with your electronics, you find it and you're jacking his fish and he thought it was safe from boats much <laughs> less kayaks you know what i mean so i've had that happen a couple of times in new york where like i'm out you know a mile offshore in erie and i'm getting like people will, like turn like they'll drive like obviously erie is expansive so you see a boat coming and going from long ways away and their yeah. heads do not leave they're just like what in the world and then what there's am I the looking people, at? yeah and then there's the people that forget that their you know their voice travels over water they're like (laughs) (laughs) what's he doing out here planning trips according to the wind that's all you gotta do yeah that's very true wind 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 you can go as far out as you want within reason yeah i mean drew had a good point with that too about big water and kayaks could be potentially not saying it's smart to be out in bad weather in a kayak but yeah in a worst case scenario not that you can be mobile in something as bad as that but you might actually be better off in a kayak versus a big boat. Do you, do you want to specify that before we? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're just, I mean, you're not going to hit a rock offshore, right? You're just, it's just water and, and depth. So mm-hmm. you're not going to get a bust anything out. If your bilge pump breaks or it can't keep up or something happens with your a boat, you're, you're going down and there's nothing stopping it. You're just a hollow, just bubble of very safe to be out there. As long as you got, everything you know your front hatches everything's secured i mean i've taken kayaks um offshore in in the pacific in the gulf in the atlantic i've been in a lot of crazy wild places and it and it really is at times like safer to be in the kayak especially with the way they kind of ride they're a little smaller and they'll bob up the waves a little bit a little bit better instead of you know a lot of the spearing that can happen off the bow uh, especially when you're moving at a at a faster speed like an outboard can produce you're going to get a lot of this this momentum and spearing and just crazy stuff can happen because of that. So as a matter of fact, one of the times I felt the least safe in a kayak was when I was coming in, uh, was on the Kissimmee chain with a motor, with my motor guide, and I'm coming in. 
uh, and the wind was just picking up on the other side of the lake where the landing was, and we didn't realize how bad it was over there, and there were seawalls everywhere. So now you've got this washing machine kind of water just going crazy. And because I had the motor, it was actually worse because now I'm going fast, and they're all going different directions, and it's actually pushing me down and plowing me down into the waves. And I have still to this day don't know how I didn't flip and lose all my lithium pros and everything. Just, But anyway, it would have been safer just to be with a paddle without the motors and whatnot. So I think it could be safer. There's an argument to that for sure. It's definitely going to take you longer to get out there. And like you said, Zach, if you can plan it with the wind, the wind's calm in the morning, kicks up a little bit stronger in the, in the afternoon so it can get you back. Uh, it's yeah. doable. And, and again, in tournaments, we're always – and this is a point I'll bring up for the whole rest of the show so people can remember – Always keep in mind, whenever people say you can't do this in a kayak or you really can't do that in a tournament, you got to think about things this way or that way. Always remember, you're still always competing against other kayak anglers, not bass boats and not anybody else. It's still we're all limited to the same thing. So when you tell me you can't do that and people are just believing that, that's what I'm going to be going doing doing and probably doing good in the tournament winning because everyone else thinks I can't do that. I can't go do that. I got to stay here and I got to milk this area super hard because – I can't cover a lot of water in a kayak. I can't crank up the outboard. Well, if you plan things right, you can make a few moves in a day. It's actually very possible. And we'll get it, get into that. I'm going to yeah. show this real quick, Bailey. This okay. is from the Bass Blaster. And it was a he, – he was. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that Bass Blaster email. Yeah, has got a really good deal. Yeah. yeah. Newsletter, so, basically. It's really good, but I just <laughs> screenshotted that. He, he covered my, my win at Grand Lake. It was really cool. And – uh it says, what he finds fascinating about some of the kayak folks, they have to fish a smaller area than bass boaters. So it seems like they really drill down into the finer port points of these areas in a way a lot of the boaters don't. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And there's uh, it's it's true in a lot of ways for sure. But then, like I said, they all he's all thinking that. But at the same time, you can still fish fast. You still can yeah. run and gun. I mean, he's right. You don't want it because you can't pick up and run to you know, you can't pick up, go three miles, then go three again, then go five and then go two and one real quick. So we do have, a, there is a limit to our milk runs. If that, if that makes sense. So he's right. Yeah. Like Zach's saying he's right. But then at the same time, I hear this all the time. Like you just, you know, even I can was saying, man, you really got to learn to like milk an area and, and drill it down. But I just, I want to bring up the opposite point. It's not, I think that's going, everyone thinks that's all you have to do and you can't really move. You can't load back up, you know, can't crank up the, the Tacoma outboard, right? Or, or the mm -hmm. new Dodge outboard if you're Bailey, right? With you can't, yeah. you can't do that stuff. You, you gotta, um, you know, stay put. You can't. You just gotta milk this area for all it's worth. You can't move. But with our trolling motors, uh, you know, I've got a 109 pound thrust on my kayak, 36 volt, as fast as it'll go. I know people have torpedoes. You can again, if you're making a three mile run or four mile run, yeah, it's gonna take a lot longer than a bass boat. So everyone's thinking you can't do it. Well, if all it's the just time management, are, yeah. If they're all exactly if they're all thinking you can't do it, they're all sitting there, their fish is beat up. At some point, your fish are done. You got to leave. You can't just keep milking an area and yeah. think you're gonna upgrade. You gotta leave. So if you're the one that's smart enough to realize everyone thinks they can't go four miles in the middle of the day, or they can't. I drove an hour and a half on Champlain from the north side to the south side one day. Maybe it was even longer. I took out and moved. I still got second in that tournament. You know, it's like even though I didn't even upgrade down there, but uh I I did. So anyway, that's just something he said, and then um yeah, because well, of that, Zach is just a voice behind the picture. <laughs> it's oh, still, that's I'm true. still paying attention. <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry to hide you there, Zach. He says, no, it's because, fine. Because of that, and I guess because no rod lockers, they keep it simple, which is also interesting. It's I not wish like I could the, keep it simple. The Ned rig dominates. Yeah, right. Um, 
But let's see. So anyway, that's pretty much. I'll, I'll get rid of that off the screen. But I mean, we do. Some people do. I, I prefer to keep it simple um, for sure. But he's again. I kind of want to bring this up. Did people bring as many rods that are on the deck of a bass boat? You know, 10, 12, yeah. 14 rods. So yeah. it's not really true either completely yeah i brought 18 rods in a kayak before i'm not happy or like proud of that fact but i've done it yeah. i've <laughs> always got seven or eight with me mm-hmm. all yeah. the time even just fun fishing i mean yeah that's, that's i mean it, it. it is nice though i will say from someone that like myself that is like the opposite of keeping it simple all the time it is nice to go out with like two rods it is freeing and no graph like you follow was awesome. To, to yeah, when honest. you get it, when you got it dialed. <laughs> yeah, you're like, that's I don't what need I was it. gonna say. It's it's we've seen bass boaters before with you know 15 whatever rods on the deck, and then then anytime you see someone with two, the announcers always say what you just said, Zach. They say yep. he's dialed. Yeah. That's Everybody where you want to be. In trouble. You want you want to be there, and that's actually kind of segues into this next picture here. Again, covering us all up now. <laughs> This picture was posted on, you know, it was taken after the, the Grand Lake went on Bassmaster, but it was posted on the Bassmaster um, Instagram account. And the funniest thing ever happened. The first comment, this is me and my little Crescent 10 foot, you know, paddle kayak. It's a 10 foot ultralight, 49 pounds, super easy, lightweight. And I got four rods and really I used like two the whole day, but I, I still had four out there with me. The reason I'm showing that picture is the first comment the guy said on, on the Bassmaster Instagram, he said something like, Good for him, man. That guy looks like he really needs a, a kayak sponsor. Like the people in the outside world looking in, they think that that right there is a sign of like, like you're you know, like you can't fish as effectively. You're not as good or you're not, you know, like, you know what I mean? It's smaller. It's cheaper. It's lightweight. It's like, what can you do with that? You know, they've seen these mm-hmm. other, the bigger Hobies and the Titans and all the, the new canoes and the bigger stuff. And they just think people from the outside didn't think that's, that's a pro. If you have that, you're a freaking pro. But I came down Dardanelle, a creek in Dardanelle, and, and uh, I'll give credit to Fred Rambanis because I ran into him on a boat. He actually wasn't in his rat boat. I didn't know it was him, and, and he didn't know who I was, obviously. Uh, but I figured it out pretty soon because uh, he said he was pre- pre-fishing for a Toyota series. And uh, I said, well, hey, I'll pull, I'll pull for you. What's your name? And I, he's kind of far away. I wasn't, like, super close to him, even though we talked for 20 minutes. I was staying my distance. Uh, and he said, Oh, Fred, Fred Rumbanis. I was like, bro, I mean, if you would have been in your boat or throwing a frog or something else, I should have, I should have recognized him. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, we talked for 20 minutes or so. And just in that time, really quickly, like he didn't judge what I was in. He realized really quick. Um, and I knew quick too, by the way, the guy was casting. I was like, dude, that guy's stick. Like he is on it. And he was, he just kind of realized like, man, this kid, he doesn't, doesn't look like it's like something fancy, but he knew what I was doing, what I was talking about. And he kind of realized at that point that what I, I was in that little kayak because it was the right tool for the job. And they're limited to one boat per year, right? The same boat they have to use in all their tournaments. Mm-hmm. We're not. So like, it's no different than a flipping stick, a cranking rod, you know, all the different action rods we have. It's a different tool for the job. And that's the way I view the kayaks because they allow us, which they obviously should always continue to allow that then I just see them all as different tools and I bring four to each tournament on the trailer. And I pick the one that suits the right situation. Four. Yeah. I bring a solo skiff, a light tackle, a CK one and a, um, and an ultralight, but soon to be a a shoulder. I guess when you have your own kayak, I guess you could do that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Or when they're not as, you know, Crescent's not like a 
you know, super expensive brand or anything either. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I bring four cause they're all, they all do something a little bit different. So, you know, the solo skiffs, big water, it's got a motor on it. It's basically a little mini boat, but it has to be ramp launched. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then the light tackle is a 12 and a half foot kayak. That's uh, an XI five bracket on the front. It, and it's, if I need a motor and I can use a motor in that series, but it can't, it doesn't have to be ramp launched if that makes sense. So now mm-hmm. I still have a, two motor boats and then the other ones are just 11, you know, 10 and 11 footer for skinny water. I can't stand in the 10 footer, which we talked about earlier. And then the, the 11 footer is still lightweight, small to get in and out of some tough places, but it is stable enough if, if I need to stand, if there's a site fishing yeah. as part of the deal or, or whatever. But anyway, um, that I just want to show that, that picture. And it just was so funny that that guy, everyone has this, just this misconception that if they see a small boat, that guy doesn't know what he's doing or he got lucky or good mm-hmm. for him, or he's just kind of a beginner in this thing, man, like the little engine that could, he won that tournament. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Like, it's so funny that dude, I've been designing kayaks for a company, been doing it for, uh, what, 10, 11 years now. And, and, um, and, and literally the, catching the, right the same quality of fish as them, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, right. like yeah. if you really that's put right. the stats up, you know, like the quality yeah. of fish caught in all these kayak tournaments. Oh yeah. It's, you know, it's the same fish in the bass tournaments. Yep. It's wild. If yeah. I'm in that little kayak, I'm dialed. If I'm in that little kayak or if I'm in any of the kayaks, if I just have two or three rods, just like we're talking about, mm. I'm dialed in. You know, I know where I'm going to be. Um, but yeah, if we could have his trolling motor on and he's got more than two yep. rods. You know, you don't have to worry about him in that tournament. Everybody relax. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah. That, that's true. <laughs> true. I'm out of my place there for sure. But um, always trying to learn and get better. Yeah. So I got two points from that. Uh, one on the sponsor deal. I think, and obviously this could be up for for debate here, but I think kayak anglers, kayak fishing, opens up the opportunity for more new, uh, more, uh, and more in terms of opportunity, but more in terms of the amount of companies you can get in front of. But from a non-endemic standpoint, kayak fishing I think brings more opportunities for a non-endemic sponsorship than boaters. If that makes sense. I mean, I'm, yeah, again, that could be up to, for, to debate, but I think that could definitely be. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's, it's a lower barrier to entry and a lot more people can get involved and make it to compete at the higher level kayak fishing. And I don't know, there's a lot more of us involved in a lot of the big tournaments. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Compared yeah, to that's what one thing elite that... series is maxed out at 80 something, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 200 for all these hobbies, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Numbers it's, wise. So... That's what's really cool, I think, too, in terms of your ROI. Granted, so we can put this into perspective because I think there's advantages to both. Pros and cons to both like there is with everything. But yeah, you take the same field that competes against each other all the time and they're, you know, they're traveling the country and they're getting a lot of viewership just from their their, their wraps on their truck and their boat, uh, you know, just people asking them questions. Um, you know, I've seen firsthand traveling with like Destin, you know, the amount of people that actually come up to them and ask them questions based on just a logo on their truck. So there's an advantage from that. But you take that same amount of anglers, if not more, that travel to just amount of as many events. And maybe they don't have, you know, the wrap truck in bow, right? Maybe their kayaks wrapped, et cetera. Or they have stickers, whatever. I think the kayak and enough is so unique right now that there's a lot of people asking questions or people that always give you the, I mean, every kayak angler's got the, Oh, that's a pretty, you know, pretty neat rig you got right there type of deal. Exactly. And then I think there's an advantage to sponsoring one of those guys over 
not saying it's bad to sponsor an elite guy. I want to make that known. I'm not knocking anything here, but I'm yeah. saying it's, I think it's more unique to sponsor one of those anglers because there's a different field of 200 anglers going to each of those tournaments. There's a, a, a set number that are always there that are getting themselves in front of maybe say another hundred that might be different. You know, that number can obviously be different. It can be changed. That could be completely wrong. Uh, but those, a lot of those anglers that are competing against some of our nation's best look up to the nation's best and take their, you know, their judgment, their recommendation seriously. And you're getting it in front of more folks from that trail, which I think you're, you're getting into. Whereas like an elite guy probably isn't going to care about what, you know, they might ask questions, but they're probably not going to care about what another elite guy is sponsored by because they have their own. Yeah. I just yeah, think it's a situation. Yeah. yeah. For us as kayak anglers, it's within their reach because of the lower barrier to entry. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's like, Drew, how many guys are you competing against that come up to you and ask you questions about Crescent or different sponsors you have? Oh, yeah. I mean, all the time. I mean, I get, I mean, I get some, um, but not like, I don't know. I mean, I, I get questions all the time, you know, everywhere online or in person, whatnot. But um, I, I think your point is, is valid, uh, especially when you consider there is, um, what's the word? Um, cannibalism, uh, not cannibalism. Is it kind of, uh, so if someone follows, think about it, if someone follows Scott Martin, they probably follow right. Brandon Polinick, right? On the elite series. So if they follow a lot of the top guys in the elite series, so a lot of the companies that are out there, I mean, they're getting the same, the same person. It, they're already getting to them through Gerald Swindle. Through They don't need to necessarily sponsor all of them. But if they're sponsoring kayak anglers, it's a whole new group of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, sure, there's some some kayak... Definitely a lot of us do follow the boater side of the world, but it's, it's so big now that a lot of kayak anglers don't. They just follow the kayak side. They don't follow every major you know, boater trail. So um, it's... I think that's the right word. What am I thinking of? You know what I mean? Where you're just doubling up on, but anyway, it, you're getting a whole fresh audience uh, through the kayak yeah. side. And with the um, country being more, I guess, like leaning towards health and fitness and things like that, it's it's just a great, and a lot of brands out there are kind of pushing that way. You know, even like fast food restaurants now offer these things. It's just a healthy lifestyle sort of thing that people want to be a part of. And non-endemic brands want to be into health and fitness and and you know, clean eating and all things like that are, everyone has to kind of say or put on there to do the best they can, right. To manufacture good, clean products these days that are good for the environment, good for health, mm-hmm. fitness, all that. So I think it's uh, it's something that it's easy for, for a lot of companies to get behind because we're promoting, you know, I guess, you know, we're not using gas. We're not using, you know, we're, we're getting exercise out there. We're inexpensive. I think it's just a, a good a good thing these non-endemics want to get behind. It's just a positive thing. And obviously more people total are, are you know, kayak fishing now than ever before. And, and I can spit out the numbers. I've said it before, but I'll do it again because some people are new. But uh, I think there's about last checking, if you're counting a $200, $200, $300 cheapo kayaks from Walmart and places like that, uh, it's about 500,000 to 700,000 fishing kayaks are sold a year now. And that's wow. compared to 9,000, just 9,000 bass boats. Now there's John boats and there's a used market and other boats, right? That are, but fiberglass bass boats, it's a big difference. It's a huge difference. So I think those numbers are starting to get 
I don't know, finally get to the, the some of the marketing folks in some of these companies and they're realizing, man, there's a big, a big pool out there of folks that do this. And, and then of course, kayaking in general, you add those people onto it. It's, it's pretty huge. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. And there, there's a, so there's another thing I wanted to bring up here too. Cause I mean the, the whole sponsor discussion of kayak versus boat or, you know, and both type of deal we could probably do for hours um, because there's pros and cons of both. Uh, so I want to reiterate, I'm not knocking either. Right. Um, but one thing I've noticed is I, I put out some TikToks uh, of me in the kayak on Ufala with gators and the amount of just, I'm not blaming them, but naive folks to the fact of where kayaks have come to, what you can do in a kayak. The amount of people say in like the, well, I wouldn't even be there in the first place in that small boat type of deal, or people saying you shouldn't be in a swamp and a kayak is too dangerous. Like, I think it's a lack of education, which is fine because the only way to get educated is to have education. Once you start that conversation, there's a, lot of, there's a crazy amount of people that, um, just started a simple conversation in the comments and they're like, Oh, didn't know that about kayak fishing. And it was pretty cool to see, but there was, there's, if I could recommend to anyone who's not knowledgeable on kayak fishing, obviously you're going to learn a lot from this show uh, and previous shows. If you listen to stuff, I've known Zach and drew um, is the, the great Ted Lasso. I don't know if anyone else has watched that show yet. I've watched uh, one, one or two episodes. <laughs> His quote from the, the dark game that he had, was be curious, not judgmental. Where they think there's a lot of people that jump to, oh, you're in a kayak, not a 250, you know, Merc. You know, they kind of think it's stupid and not as manly or whatever. I don't. It's just stupid stuff. Uh-huh. Um, you'd be surprised the things you can get out of it. I, I've, I've, I think I'm, I know more folks that have gone from the boat to the kayak than I know guys that went from the kayak to the boat. Yeah. If the guy, if a guy did go from kayak to boat, he still has that kayak because he knows the place. There's a time and place mm-hmm. for the guy. So I think yeah. it's, That's it's a, good a point. super unique deal that we have going on in the fishing industry. Yeah, it yeah. is. The um, I was going to say too on your comment, it actually reminded me what's cool about kayak fishing. And again, I've been working for a, a kayak manufacturer now, probably eleven years, counting the times at, time at Jackson and now at Crescent, eleven or twelve years. Well, two thousand and I don't know, long time. Wait. No, 2009 is when I started. What year is it now? I don't even remember. So it's a long time. So anyway, the um, now I lost my whole train of thought, dude. What were you saying, Bailey? You just said something that was like right on what I was going to say. Ah, um, save me. What was your comment? It was last, Bailey's last comment had me on something good about It'll what come, they got on TikTok. Uh, yeah, whatever you just said. That last thing the we people were just talking being about. the people being naive. Oh yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I got it. It's a oh. con- the sport is economy proof in a way. Because here's why: because I've, like I said, I've been working for manufacturers for a while, and we get nervous when there's a recession. We got nervous, like when everything hit the fan, right? We all got nervous, but it actually was the opposite. People still want to fish. They still want to get out and be active. So the the actually the thing that happens is they sell their boats, if you know what I mean, and they get kayaks. Now, if the economy's great. They're buying boats, but they're like you just said, and kayaks. So it's like, hey, if I have enough money to buy a 40, 50, 60, 80,000 dollar bass boat, yeah, for an extra thousand dollars, let me go ahead and grab a couple kayaks too for you know two thousand, three thousand dollars, whatever, even six thousand for someone that's spending that much money. If they have that much money, they're still buying kayaks when the economy's good. So if it's if it's good, kayak sales are up. If the economy's down, kayak sales are still good. Now there's 
mm-hmm. obviously there's other things that fall into how many manufacturers and how many kayaks are are made but it's it's essentially like the pie maybe is split up between more manufacturers or whatever uh and and use market and stuff like that but people are still buying kayaks and either way anything that happens in the economy they're, they're still getting into it so um and we're paying for gas in the vehicle yeah you know not gas in a boat as well uh, we got yeah. so we have the captain here in the comments and this is where I wish uh, we could have had him in the episode to give the boat perspective because he mentioned how catching bass in a kayak might be easier. And I think I will have to side with him on that. Not saying catching them in a tournament is easier, but I think a kayak is way less obtrusive than a boat. Therefore you might have a better chance at catching a fish. If that makes sense. Whereas you have oh, too yeah. much going on on the boat. Whereas a boat, I think, can catch more fish because you could cover more water, get in front of more fish. Not saying that's a fact or set, but the I sneaky think. factor goes way up. I think. <laughs> you know For what sure. I mean? Yeah. I can't tell you how many times the wind has blown has blown me. Uh, whenever I'm just kind of like up, glancing around, looking, and then I'm like on top of a fish, and I'll just just drop it on them, and just like how many times have you done that in a boat? In like yeah. what two feet of water. Unless it's you know spawning I mean? small mouth, never. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of different scenarios, obviously. But I'm going right. to, you know, it's funny because uh, Rodney Moore and Kyle Jesse and I were talking about this on, on the last Inside Bassmaster podcast. And he was saying, you know, so I have this, you know, we have this advantage to go into some skinny water, like you were saying, Zach, be sneaky. So you get to a lot of these fish that the boaters can't get to. Do you feel like that helps you? And I was like, well, again, like, Yes and no, man, because if I'm in a uh-huh. kayak tournament, other people obviously know that kayak, their kayaks float in four, five, six inches of water. They still look for those places. So nothing yeah. is hidden anymore. Even the places that boats can't get aren't like all of a sudden magically great in a kayak tournament because a lot of us are looking for those. So anyway, uh, right. I told him, I said that you got to learn. It's like the bass boaters. At some point, everyone's offshore with their you know, live scope and, and forward facing sonars. When does the bank and the sneak holes become advantageous for the bass boat world, you know, the John Cox style, you know, Jason Christie, things like that. So we kind of had this argument and I feel like what Andy's saying here in the comments, I feel like it's dead. Even I feel like the advantage we get from getting into sneaky places, the bass boats can't get with unpressured fish creeks with riffles up, you know, where the boats certainly can't get rapids and things like that. Yeah, that's good. And we can get there, but boat, you know, other kayak anglers can get there. But then on the flip side, mm-hmm. You know, I just feel like it's on the bass boat. You can run. You got all these milk run of you know, whatever, hundred brush piles. You want to go hit? We definitely can't do that. So you're in a, at an advantage there with the 250, right? So you make up for it there. We make up for it in water. You can't. It's not as pressured. And I feel like it kind of comes out even. And which is why you see our weights are pretty much even. Not not the depth of the field. I'm talking the top 10 percent. Ca- you know, check cashing weights in kayak tournaments. We're not as deep, obviously, as the Elite Series and MLF and all that. Of course not. But that top 10% who's catching, you know, cash and checks, if you do the uh, length to weight equivalent, it's right there, pretty even, because we can get those sneaky spots. And then, but they can run and get to, you know, a few more fish and places like that real quick. So I think it breaks even personally. You know, it'd be a yeah. really cool idea. And then, I think we could get enough people interested in it, especially you take, so you take five of the best in the kayak scene and five of the best in the boat scene. You do an eight hour tournament, four hours of 
uh, or you could I mean, you could obviously determine variables, but having the kayak folks in the kayak and then you, and the boaters guys in their boats and then you flip flop. I think one, it'd be just entertaining just from watching kayak guys operate a boat and boat guys operate a kayak. That would just yeah. be funny. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Um, that but be. also just to see, I think it would be great to, one, to see how it'd match up, right? Anglers versus anglers. But two, I think that in itself, just the concept of that could be eye-opening, not only to kayak folks, but to boater folks too, of what each sport entails. And I think it would just be a win-win to, to put something together like that because everyone's getting educated about everything at that point. I think that could be a way to start molding, you know, Drew, you've been a great pioneer of this molding, you know, the boaters and the kayaks to not be like segregated basically, but to be, you know, we're the same anglers. We're just out of a different vessel. Right. So it's, Uh I think that could be really cool. Yeah. We're just bass fishermen. Exactly. It's a way I I want us to be looked at one of these days. Like we're all just bass fishermen and I get that the word kayaks got to be there. So people know what kind of, series we're fishing and things like that but there and this is part of the other um topic or the episode description i talked with you about bailey before we started this was why boaters it said something like why boaters should be listening to every kayak podcast possible and why kayak anglers should be listening and watching every live stream for boaters as possible because you're gonna learn it's just the same stuff a lot of times regurgitated if you you know on the on the boater side if that's all you're listening to but then when i listen to and talk uh kayak with other people i hear a lot of unique and different things that you think about it, you're like dude boaters could be doing that too and no one ever talks about that or does that so yeah i feel like you could gain that little bit of advantage uh by learning the other side you know what i mean mm-hmm. so uh-huh. anyway because we can learn about yeah. the offshore stuff and the live scope and and certainly yeah. a lot of that by watching those guys too so it would be but, really uh, interesting to see some guys get into the kayak like i would love to see like a john cox or keith pochet because they'd be all about what you yeah. do, Drew. Whereas, like, I think, like, for my style, like, a BP or, like, Justin right. Connell, Wheeler type of deal, those guys that like to be staring at their electronics all day, it'd be kind of interesting to see them in a kayak. Although, Polnick has been in a kayak. Uh, and I have gone out after him on social media and tried to get him to join a tournament. So, we'll see if he does that. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, I, um, yeah I've, tried, I've talked to Wheeler about it, too, at the – Last year at ICAST, a real tree uh, party we had. See him, I, him I think, and Dustin. So we'll see. Yeah, dude, guys like that I think would do great in the kayak scene. One, just because they're insanely talented at fishing, but I think beyond just that, they're ultra competitive. So they'll find a way to learn it, and it might almost be a quicker learning curve for guys like that. Yeah, they're just that competitive that they'll put all their time into. It. I think it'd be super yeah. cool. I really do. It'd be really it would cool. be great for kayak fishing too to get more people into it for the sheer fact that he can have a lot of fun out of a kayak. Like I don't have to go get a boat just like him. I can go get a kayak and still get out there. You know what I mean? Like shed light onto it, basically. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I don't. I don't remember who said it, but it was funny when I was uh, at that party. I was talking to. I mean, it might have been Casey Ashley or MDJ, somebody else that was there, and they said. I was like, man, I'm th- talking to Wheeler about doing it. I think, you know, he's, he seems interested. And they were like, man, you know, unless he knows he can win, he doesn't want to get in nothing unless he knows he can win. <laughs> he's such a competitor. <laughs> I think he would have to practice in it for quite a while and really get it dialed. I mean, really get it dialed. Maybe, you know, get his electronics exactly set. Because our rigs for electronics are still getting figured out a little bit, you know, with the, the live scope and all that. Like, how can he do that? Which brings us back full circle to – 
yeah, man, you could stand, you could put three up there, you could do whatever you want. We can, you can build it on a kayak. You know, you can go to some place like the Bass Tank here or whatever, and they could rig it up and make it exactly how he wants. He could stand, he could do everything the same way. And even to go back to a, another quick point is people look at a lake, a 10,000 foot view. I don't know, tell me if you guys do this uh, too, but when I, I've heard people say this, right, in kayak podcasts and talk that, when they look at a lake, when they pre-fish, they just look for like, well, i got to find these places that are close to the ramp, like two or three miles, like close enough to the ramp where I can get to them in a day. And I never, I look at the whole map and say, where are the fish going to be first? That's where I start. Yeah. Like, where are they going to be? And then that is where I, I, then I, then I work way backwards and then I will like, I'm going to find a way to get there. Cause usually there's a yeah. ramp within three, four, five miles or, or, Forget the word ramp. There is a public access, which is what's legal in our tournaments. See, the, the boater guys are like, dude, how are you here? How are you here in the back of this creek right now so early in the morning when the nearest ramp is seven miles away? I put it at the wildlife management area over there, you know, from the bank because I'm in a kayak and that's what it's for. So, like, yeah. there's this big misconception. We can't be all over the lake and you got to look for stuff that's close to the ramp. Dude, look at the whole lake first, where the fish going to be, and then figure out how to get there later because – It'll be worth it. So, I want to bring that that point up as well. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Um, so we have a good comment here that's going to lead to one of our other Facebook comments. So Shane Carnahan put up, and I believe he's commenting this as one of the misconceptions, not as he's saying this. It's not as like it's a misconception, not a statement that kayaks are not as prestigious as boats, and that leads me to a Facebook comment we have from Ryan Milford saying that. There's the idea that kayaks should stay in shallow water or creeks or stay out of the way of big boats. That is one that I hear all the time, especially me being offshore all the time, is this idea that we, the ones without a motor, should be the ones to stay out of the way of the boats. Because, like, and I'm going to bring this full circle here because there is a point to that when I have boats pull up on me, I've had... I've had boats in a state championship where I'm offshore on a brush pile up here in New York and they pull up literally 10 feet behind me and like literally next to me where I could take my rod, and, you know, touch their boat. And they don't care because I've been told directly to my mouth to shut up because I'm in a kayak. And this is, I mean, that's a whole episode in itself that we could get into, but it's that's not, just bad people. It's, yeah. It's just not worth it. But yeah. a kayak has as much reason to be out there as your boat. Now, well, yeah, it's, you guys, a boat can, folks in a boat can go wherever they want, whenever they want. Like they have the motor to get up and go where it takes us, you know, for them for a mile is maybe 15 seconds. Like I shouldn't say 50 seconds, like a minute, minute or two mm-hmm. for us. A mile is like 15 minutes on average. Whereas, but I will also say full circle. That does not mean that as a kayaker, you should pull in on a boat and just use and cut somebody off and with the simple excuse of, Oh, you can go wherever you want. So I'm in this area. I'll just cut this guy off that there's still ethics involved from both sides. But I hate this deal of like, and I shouldn't, it's not a majority. It's a minority of boat owners, like a one percenters that will cut off a kayak because it's a kayak. They don't give them the space that they would for a boat. And I'm sure you and guys deep down both. inside. They're really, really intimidated. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hope he doesn't catch a fish in front of me. I will say there is something slightly satisfying. And I, this is going to sound so petty, but I'm just going to say it 
of <laughs> smashing fish out of a kayak in front of a boat when they can't catch anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. going to throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, for, for, sure. for sure. For sure. The um, That's a good point. Um, I was going to say, too, uh, yeah, that definitely I see what you say. And, like, there's this misconception that they're more – prestigious and and honestly they they it's the a little bit of the nascar effect and and the beauty of their boats with the rafts and the trucks are all clean and neat and what's funny is you go back to that photo i put up earlier i'm still driving my 2013 tacoma kind of before because i love it because it is beat up now like i mean i did it all too and i, I did get it new and it was nice and neat at one point but i like the fact that it's i, I look like unintimidating to anybody else at, at places I park or boat ramps or whatever. It doesn't look like the truck you just want to go break into. It's got all these logos and it's pretty and clean and prestigious. Right, like you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The new truck. Yeah. But anyway, I, um, I love the fact that I'm like incognito a little bit. I'm a little subtle. That's kind of the way I'm sneaky. And that's kind of the way I, I kayak fish. So I want to stay a little sneaky and subtle like that. People obviously know my truck, but I don't have logos all over it and things like that. Cause I just want to stay a little, little stealthy, but um, anyway, it does force you. Um, or I was going to pull up this uh, comment from from Andy. Unless you all have anything else on that, yeah, real quick. Yeah, I know you got one. I was going to say he says it forces you to slow down, and it, he feels like it optimizes your ability to maximize maximize an area's potential. And while hundred percent those, those who do slow down do maximize an area, I just see, and I'm only saying this because I see him say, like, I see that comment all the time, and it's not wrong. But I just want to like stress that I fish faster in my kayak than I ever did on a bass boat. I mean, I've got the trolling motor. I've got, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm in a river where the current's moving me. I'm, I've done as, you know, 19 miles in a day down or down a river. Uh, I'm fishing fast. I chatterbait. I'm fishing super fast. Can, and, can you blame that on the current though? Why you fish that fast? Yeah. On that, in that particular situation. Sure. And then well, if yeah. you have a, if you have a motor, well, I mean, I can slow down. I've got a drag chain. I have ways to slow down. But what I'm doing is, it's no different than why do you pull? Why do you pull the mo like the troll motor up and crank up the mercury to run? Because you, as an angler, have assessed that this area is done. It's not happening here anymore. And I've got other areas I want to go to that are like you know. It's all about highest probability of catching a fish. You know if you're an angler and you study the bass where and when that is based on everything that's happening on the lake, I feel like I'm, it's the same way for me in a kayak and on the river. So therefore if everyone else is just going to sit there and keep working a bank that really I can, I know is trash. I'm going to move fast, you know, even though it's not as fast as an outboard, I fish super fast and I'm flying to, to specifically move and down a river or the, a bank of a lake. I'm flying to the juiciest spot where I think they're going to be. So I don't really feel like the kayak is forcing me to slow down at all, but a lot of people do. And they do Mac. I mean, there's no doubt, like we said earlier, you can't have a milk run of 50 different places on the day or 30. You have to limit it. But again, and this is the only last comment I had too, on your or a sponsorship thing, but these, the trucks are a good example. Trucks, tires, anything that has to do with trucks should be more likely to sponsor kayak anglers than, than even, again, they should still be sponsoring elite anglers and MLF. We've kind of said that caveat, and I'll say it too. Yeah. Still sponsor them for sure. But you should really be considering the kayak anglers because our 
trucks are used during the tournament to get it. It's not like just give me to the lake and from the lake. It's literally yeah. on the tournament day. I've been four wheel drive so many times. If I don't make it through that road in or out, you know, once I've unloaded unlo- back up, I'm and, and I've actually Toyota's doing a, a, a write up on the Grand Lake tournament because I use the Tacoma to get to and from places that help me dial in and kind of assess that lake as quickly as I, I could. And without that, even during the tournament, when you move, you know, I've moved as many as five or six times. Again, it's the reliability of your vehicle. I mean, it's such a strong selling point, man. Like, and plus you can also highlight trucks that aren't giant V8 full size. You need that power to, to haul, which is great because the marketing departments probably need something out there to really highlight and promote those, those trucks that are more mid-sized trucks as well. So it's a, it's a big win, I think, and why non-endemics like truck companies especially – given our trucks are used during the tournament day and we can't win. We can't get to and from our access points. Yeah. I mean, kayak anglers put their trucks in a lot more hairy situations than most bass boaters. I mean, yep. they're going to a ramp. I put That's my it. niece in more situations. Yeah. <laughs> than most oh, no, you're yeah, right. Your Zach, bumper you're right. came off at Toledo. Yeah. It's right. It was, that, it yeah. was four wheeling. It's yeah, a, I it, took that Nissan Altima off road in Toledo Bend and learned my lesson real quick. But hey, yeah. it, made it. it made it. We're good. That thing <laughs> was you're, flapping in the wind. That was funny. <laughs> but you're right, Zach. Four wheel drive is used. The, 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 the thing that the trucks were meant to do is actually done in the kayaks. Yeah. Like hardly anybody takes their their nice eighty thousand dollar bass boat down a four wheel drive used. dirt road. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one does that. We're actually true real marketing and using the trucks for the reason they were originally meant. Now. They're too nice and, like he was saying earlier, prestigious to actually utilize the features of those vehicles. It's kind of like a Range Rover. They were originally for off-roading, and now they're just soccer mom vehicles that no one ever uses the four-wheel drive and the crawl features and stuff like that that mm-hmm. the Tacomas and a lot of these newer vehicles have. But we do. So we're, like, really marketing. It's realistic. Our trucks are dirty because we actually use them. So I think that the company should be more apt to jump into our space, these non-endemics, than, you know, than anywhere else personally i uh we have steve fields here in the comments he's the media for hobie bos i think we should uh petition he gets all the cool shots yeah for steve to uh float the susky in a kayak for his shots for this the susky event versus Ooh. The <laughs> we can hook you up with go. a jet jet boat steve i know some people in the susquehanna oh come on it'd be more fun to watch him float down the river and take some pictures <laughs> in the kayak <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be get a tandem yeah, you, oh, and AJ, yeah. you and AJ in a tandem Hobie, you'd <laughs> <It'd> be funny. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. What up, Steve? Um, there, there's so many good points here. I'm trying to remember our train of thought. Oh, yeah, You're... going back to the slowing down fishing in a kayak. Yeah. I think it's made me slow down a lot more, pick areas apart mm-hmm. more. And I feel like in my head, it's made me a lot better of an angler as far as stuff that I've learned. You know what I mean? Not yep. like winds or anything like that. Uh, just stuff that I've learned and soaked in. And the amount of fish I have caught in such a small area when I figured certain things out. Mm-hmm. Like at Toledo mm-hmm. Bend, at the Hobie BOS, uh, I, I had a pretty good day one. But I caught like 20, 25 fish in like a 10, 10 foot radius area. It was a little uh, piece of brush on a little bitty drop off that was in maybe six foot of water. And it was just loaded with fish. And I would cycle through three different baits and I would get consistent bites almost the whole day. Yep. Like you spread 20 fish out over the whole day, but that was good with as tough as it was. 
Yep, and, you're, and you might have like ran. That. Yeah, you might have ran if you had a 250. You might have left. You yeah. know, but you blow it, right past it. You catch one out of it, you know, trolling motor and by you catch one and you wouldn't make the same cast. Yep. And the smart yeah. folks would make another cast and realize there's another fish there. And they'd be like, okay, there's something here. Or maybe you could troll motor past to see it on, you know, forward facing. But yep, that, yeah, that's no a really good point. I think it, to add on that as well is I think. I like, I like Drew. I like to fish fast. Most of the time there is times where like, if I know there's a rock pile or a brush pot, I will slow down and fish that. But I think also, even if I do fish fast kayak, like being in the kayak allows me to slow down in terms of my visual, you know, what I'm hearing, the different cues that I have in terms of my angler instincts. Whereas on a boat, you can be on the trolling motor and you have a lot of, I think, um, you have a lot of stimulation in a boat in terms of trolling motor, graphs, noise of the trolling motor, operating the trolling motor in terms of steering around cover or where you're at. But in the kayak, you're obviously a lot more quieter in terms of stealth. But yes, you are pedaling or paddling, so you have that stimulation. But it slows you down to the point where it's forcing you to look around of what nature's presenting you in terms of clues. Using your senses to a uh, hunted yeah. Like the hundred hundred emoji senses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, at Grand Lake, that's <laughs> that's what I did, and it kind of goes along with what Zach was saying. I milked one little spawning pocket, and I stayed there all day long. And had I been in a bass boat, I would have probably left. But because I didn't have that option, I mean, I I had some backup spots to I could have ran the Tacoma to. So I agree that both of what like Andrew uh, Andy Fools you know, comment was saying earlier about it forced you to slow down and milk an area more. I agree with that. And I agree that, um, which is the one I don't hear a lot of times because most people think that it forces you to slow down. You have to slow down. I think both are true, but all I hear is like, it forces you to slow down. You have to slow down. The other is true that you can fish fast. You still can, you don't have to. The only thing we can't do mm-hmm. is, make, we, is just make a big long run in a two fifty. but we can still fish fast in the areas. But in this situation, it, because it would have taken time to load up, I decided to stay there and let it reset and let it reset again. You know, give it time, give it an hour or two break, go, go around it a different direction, go around it with a different uh, bait. And I milked it and, and I chose, I said, you know what? I'm on fish. Plus I saw the leaderboard. I was like, I'm on fish that are here that are going to win this thing. Why would I leave? You know? So it actually worked out where I did that, but there could be another time where you, where you're not, if, going to catch fish you could go around a couple times you don't catch any more and you stay you don't catch another fish all day long so mm-hmm. you d- it just don't know you just have to use your it's yeah. all just bass fishing you still have to use your senses yeah. when to crank up the 250 or when to, when to launch back up the kayak and crank up the tacoma it's still just it's the same it's the same but and i don't rule out anything in a lake or fishing fast slow any bo- part of the the lake and it's all open man i'd rather drive an hour and a half like i did on Cham- champlain put in a new spot, be optimistic and have just two or three hours there because you can get right in a tournament in literally just a very short 30 minute window, you know, and you can just boom. And if you do that on day one, which is what I always do on day one, it goes back to what Bailey said at the last podcast we did about Seth fighter saying he wants to, he doesn't want to be dialed on tournament day. He wants to figure it out on, on day one. And then he's got fish, he's figuring it out and it's getting better because he's learning it and he hasn't beat it up. And if you have it dialed, you've beat it up too much, most likely, and it's fading and it's going from you. So it's all on the table for me. And uh, that's kind of mm-hmm. where I'll, I'll end that one. That's a really but, good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's about finding the perfect balance of time management, 
and right. decision making. And it's so difficult sometimes, mm-hmm. like finding the balance. You know, I think yeah. there's definitely an added level of severity in terms of your decisions you make in a kayak tournament versus decisions you make in a boat tournament. Yeah, because you could mm-hmm. pedal for uh, an right. hour and a half, get into something that was good in practice or you, you're confident in, and it's just, yeah. and then what are you going to do? You've exactly. burned an hour and a half, so exactly, yeah. It's hard to do it. it. Not this isn't like really a strategy show as much, but I will say that I do. I'll throw this little tip in there. If it's ever a spot that is what you're saying, Zach, like I'm either starting there, so I got that 30 minutes of, you know what I mean, of time at the beginning of the day to, to utilize it, um, or I'm ending there, or I know that that spot exists, and I'm going to the spot that's close to the closest to the access point first. So that I, and that's usually what I do. The, the spot that I think is good, if I have a couple that are kind of like a, a coin flip, they could equally be as good. And one of them is really close to a ramp or an access point, I'm going there first. Because if, mm-hmm. it, if the crap hits the fan, it's not happening. I'm like a five minute paddle away or whatever. I'm a short distance away, 10, 15 minute, whatever, just kind of short, you know, close to getting back in the Tacoma and going somewhere else. And then, you know, and then obviously if you end the day at, at a spot that's far away, you've got time to get your photos in and get back and all that until you, you know, as long as you have signal, you can take a big risk on a longer run, especially if you you got a decent bag already or, you know, just looking to make a big, big upgrade um, or a Hail Mary. So beginning of yeah. the day or end, end of the day and do, do the close ones to the access points first, if you can, or ones Drew, that you think are going to get hit by the boaters and other kite gungers can hit that one first. Yeah. <laughs> Drew, I'm really curious about something. It's like completely off topic. But did, like when you hit multiple spots in a day, right? Like say you hit, you probably, you've hit like what, three spots in a day before? Oh, like I think I did five or six. Three? Five okay, or six okay. on in lacrosse uh, okay. in Wisconsin because there was a lot of, that, the roads parallel the right. fishery. Here's my question. Yeah. It's just totally, it's totally off topic. Do you sprint from your kayak to your truck? Yeah. Do, do you, you have some hustle? Are you hustling? Yeah. Yeah. Usually I'm pretty, I'm pretty quick. Yeah. Nice. It actually did. <laughs> a pretty, pretty quick sprint. People, it people out depends. there pleasure fishing, just looking at this guy run <laughs> like, like something's crazy. on fire. Like, you okay? <laughs> Some guy at the ramps putting in, hey, Drew, sorry, I can't talk. And he's sprinting right by. Just fishing the tournament. <laughs> what do you mean? The older I get, the harder, the harder it's becoming <laughs> the sprint. <laughs> and actually, you know, not lose my breath where I'm now out of breath to paddle or whatever. But um, I'm just out of shape, man. Just from the lower body, if I had a pedal drive, I'm sure I'd be a little bit better shape in the lower body. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I think in Dardanelle one time I moved five times. And so Sheesh. that's the other thing the fisheries that have good access, <laughs> you, know, you can move a lot more, you know, <laughs> We're running my four run, forward, yeah, run. <laughs> I saw Jake's comment earlier too. Jake uh, posted that I had it. <laughs> I had, and it's actually funny. I did have Jake uh, help me get my truck at the end of the day one time. And I did have to uh, go th- have him go- take his truck through a pretty nasty four-wheel drive road that uh, it rained a lot the night before. It just thunderstormed. I think it was like Pickwick. I felt really bad. I was a uh, no, it was Pickwick Wheeler and Wilson for uh, KBF that that tournament. So anyway, felt really bad that uh, got his truck pretty muddy and it was, it was pretty hairy. But I'm used to driving in that stuff, and uh, I don't know. Jake did a good job. Good job, Jake. He made he made it out okay. So sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have any? Uh... Other ones before we hit some of these Facebook comments? Oh, I I, I had one in my head earlier. Um, a lot of people are like they don't they don't bite the bullet and like 
get a kayak or want to go travel and compete and stuff because they don't have a truck. Well, mm-hmm. do I have news for you? You don't need a truck. And you do too, Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> you can car top a PA-14 on top of a Chevy Equinox. I did it for a year. Bailey did it with a yep, Nissan Altima. Yeah. I mean, you're not limited on what you can put it on. I mean, maybe a motorcycle, but uh, you, <laughs> trailer. you can do trailer it on, on the motorcycle. <laughs> you can do it on an SUV. Yeah, I mean, they might be heavy, but you can lift up one half of the kayak at a time on like an SUV. And you're not lifting all 100, what, 30 pounds of a PA-14. Mm-hmm. You know, you're only lifting half of it as a t- at a time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you're not you're not limited. You, you can do it. You're uh, not. You're not. The only thing I will say about that is the, if you do have a car top and it is that difficult to get it back on, you're not limited to fish to tournaments. But but the strategy I'm talking about where you run and gun and put it back on the vehicle. Oh, back, yeah, that doesn't happen yet. Yeah, you're, you're committed yeah. to that. You know, location. I'll be launching one time. Yeah. Yeah. Day. yeah. Launching one time and pulling out one time. Same. That's it. <laughs> there's a yep. there's this question here from Sean. I think it'd be cool to go around the the room here and cuz I think honestly we've covered the spectrum of kayaks and what it's involved with the three of us here. Cuz like I think yeah. Drew and I are on a complete opposite sides of the spectrum where Zach you're like perfectly in the middle. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So Drew, you that's kick true. us off. All right. Well, I'm gonna. Um, I was gonna upload a, a quick picture, actually. Is that your? Yeah. Oh, so put if it you in can, perspective. So you go ahead, uh, if you can, Zach, if you don't mind, Bailey, or one of you guys. Okay, I'll, I'll start at the top of the spectrum, Zach, and then okay. we'll have you go next. Well, uh, I got so it now. My... If you want me to, start. I got it up. If you want me to, start. all right. Yeah, let it rip. Either way, slang it. All right. Well, I was gonna just get you know, show a photo that hasn't been been shown yet, like publicly. Um. Uh, so, Sean, I'm, I work with Crescent Kayaks and design um, the specialized fishing line over there as director of uh, fishing for Crescent. So, anyway, my first design is coming out. The, some of you guys may have seen it. It's called the Sholey. So, that's a, a picture of it there on the back of it with the, um, the new Yak Attack Black Pack Pro. I just wanted um, Did you? Nice. Yeah, they're sweet. I just put mine together. It's awesome. Actually, Matt, shout out to Matt um, at Raccoon Creek there um, the other day that put it together for me. So, I was busy chasing my son around, but uh, first camp out. <laughs> anyway, so I'll be uh, fishing out of that Sholey a good bit. But uh, earlier in the show, if you weren't uh, listening, Sean, you can probably go back and listen. But I, I run, I bring four kayaks to every tournament because they're different tools for the job. And it's a Crescent. I'll start with the biggest one. Actually, it's a solo skiff, which Crescent makes. It's a mini little boat, which is legal. It's rotomolded, um, paddle, push pole. It's marketed for all the above motors, up to five horsepower, gas motor even. I use that for big water um, and places that, you know, it's got a little pulling platform, a little platform, a little better for sight fishing. So I'll use that. And then it has to be ramp launch. So again, I, if, uh, if there's a boat ramp, I got to launch it there. It's very hard. It's super heavy to launch anywhere else. And then I've got a, a crescent light tackle that's 12 and a half foot that I have an XI five uh, on. That's a quick release bracket for, for motor guide. So um, basically it's, it's for places that I still use a motor and tournaments that allow motors, but I can't, um, you know, ramp launch, there's no ramp. So I'm just going to slide that in from whatever, carry my, my batteries. Uh, I use lithium pros, 36, uh, volt batteries there and just walk them down and fish that way. And then the other two, I've got a CK one venture from Crescent, which is a 11 footer that's super light. I can get it in and out of, you know, tough to access places, but it's wide enough still to stand. It's not like going to break any speed barriers or anything paddling it, but it's, um, 
steel paddle is pretty good speed, but it's standable for sure. And then the Crescent Ultralight, which is on this photo here, is the um, little 10-foot 49-pounder that's definitely going to get me into some smaller and tighter places than, um, than other kayaks can go. Or if their access is very difficult, five to you know a quarter mile walk or whatever. So we can access from any public water, which is what makes our, our sport so cool. And I love the fact that we are so different in a lot of ways. Our strategy is different. Our the way we do so many things is different. So it's it's a different product than the bass boat world. So one day when it's on TV, it's not like it's just the same thing being regurgitated. It's actually very different. The rivers, the creeks, the the oxbows, the the backwaters it's so different than the bass boat game, which is going to make it hopefully appealing. It's kind of like sand volleyball and, and indoor, you know, volleyball, right? They're, they're both great for the sport of volleyball and they're building that whole sport. If, if sand volleyball didn't exist, the whole commerce of volleyball would not be, or whatever economy of, of volleyball would not be as big as it is. And for kayak fishing, it's cool that we can help build up the sport of bass fishing as a whole uh, as well. So anyway, those are the kayaks I'm running and uh, hopefully that helped. Yeah. So like really fit, really quick. The one that used the most, probably the skinny water one, right? Man, I'll, you have I'll, one you I, use more I, than the others? Not really. In pre-fishing I use, so I don't know where I'm going to be fishing in the tournament. I'll say I use the solo skiff the least at this point, even though I've, I, you know, I got fourth in the Bassmaster, you know, uh, championship kayak series championship on possum kingdom out of that, that boat, um, last year. And I've used it on some good, done really well in some tournaments, but pre-fishing of pretty much it's crazy like i just every access point every waypoint i have on a map they all are from different varieties from a boat ramp to a very tough bridge access and i'd much rather especially in pre-fishing just take that little the little light one on a tough access and then maybe if the spot turns out to be a hit and i'm like man i'd really love to stand and fish that spot but standing to be able to see down in the water i'm like okay well then it's not that much heavier it's like 13 maybe 12 or 13 pounds heavier to get the ck1 that down there but for just running a gun on a pre-fishing, it's not like worth the extra weight and stuff. So uh, during the tournament, I might pick the 11 footer instead. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it, I don't know, man, there's really not one I use more over the other, all kind of, kind of equal, but I, I actually prefer to find places where I can use that smallest one. Um, because if I do that, then I'm, then I'm somewhere. No one else is going to be. So Makes, sense. Makes sense. Word. Yeah. Zach, go through yours, dude. I'm rocking a, PA, oh, my lights just cut off. Hold on. There we go. We got some light again. Uh, I'm rocking a PA 12 right now. I had a PA 14 last year and I really liked it a lot. I got a PA 12 this year and I really like it a lot. Um, it, it's stable. Uh, I feel like the 14 was a little more stable than the 12, but I can't complain about the 12 at all. Uh, I fished during a freaking thunderstorm the other day and a Hobie PA 12 paired up with the micro power pole is like perfect. It's, I found my, I found exactly what I've, what I needed. You know what I mean? The, the perfect setup, I should say for me. And, uh, like the storage in the front hatch storage down there in the floor. Uh, I got my little routines of where I put everything, where I reach for stuff. And it's just set up perfect for me. Uh, and it's tough, you know, it's a little bit heavier, but I like it. I like it a lot. Heck yeah. And you, do you run a graph on it or anything like that? I haven't ran graphs all year. I just been keeping it simple. I've been going Jordan Jordan Marshall style on them. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. Yeah. yeah. So then, myself, I have the same boat, PA twelve. But I, when I say on the opposite spectrum of Drew, is that I, on a day in the north, I will have a Helix nine, a Helix ten, 
and Mega Live or Mega 360 on the guy at all times. And I got the game going on one screen. You yeah, know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Football yeah. Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <That's right. laughs> Mega Live going on the other. No. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just kind of cool with this is we can cover all spectrums of this. Yeah, we're pretty kayak. spread out. You were right. Yeah. <laughs> Which leads into a great point of the f- first Facebook comment that I have is from Tom Hins is that you spent that much on a kayak setup. You might as well have bought a boat with, and I get that comment all the time, especially with the amount of electronics yeah, I have. That one, that one's been around the block for sure. And here's the first thing I usually say back. Well, yeah, I mean, and I'll say it out there. Yes. I would love to have a boat. A kayak's always going to have a place, but I would love to have a boat someday. I'm not paying for maintenance on my kayak. I'm not paying for gas on my kayak. And beyond a pedal drive, I don't have to worry about that thing breaking down. Yeah. And if it does break down, it's in. I have backup pedals. It's a quick swap versus my engine breaks down. I'm out for a period of time and relying on someone else to fix it. Yep. Entry so fees. Quick and easy. Yeah. Entry, fees, entry fees are cheaper for some of the biggest kayak tournaments in the country compared to bass boat tournaments. Um, it's a lot more affordable. I've been able to go fish lakes that I dreamed of fishing since I was a kid just because right. of how much more affordable it is for me to get there and fish it in my kayak compared to like doing it all with a bass boat. You know what I mean? My definition of being able to afford stuff is different than other people's. You know what I mean? And some people yeah. can afford whatever they want to. Um, but it's perfect for me. Like it's, that's it. Chef's kiss or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there, that's it. Drew, anything that, add on to that uh only thing is what you just said i do um only run a graph on that solo skiff um uh, because now i've got the um you know the garmin with the live scope and all that on it so uh and you know got that from the bass tank so thanks to those guys over there they know how to set things up for sure and uh are the experts too and customer service do a great job so shout out to them but um yeah i got it on that one but um you know i i always will be true to who I am. And I prefer to fish the, the, you know, rivers and creeks and get away with, without the, you know, electronics if I can. But, um, it's also harder to, with the black box and stuff like that, with that unit, you can't just swap that easily, you know, with the live scope. So you kind of have to like stick to one. If you're going to use multiple kayaks, like I'm doing, you kind of have to figure out maybe if you're not running live scope, I guess it's easier. You can switch your, your, uh, graph to whatever, but if you are, you got to kind of have to hone in on the one that's going to be for that tool, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So here's one I wanted to get to because we've been talking so good about kayaks. Uh, not that we've been talking bad about boats, but we're trying to show, you know, we're trying to basically debunk these myths and misconceptions. So yeah. there is one that went the other route. There was a comment that said, Kayak anglers are always willing to help new anglers, and they call that a myth. So I found this one very intriguing. So huh. I think, and they, they brought about it in a different route. They added on saying anglers in general are the most secretive people on the planet. So I think I understand where this person's going with it. Uh, yeah, with I get what he's saying. Stewart. In terms of, I'm going to agree with him, but also heavily disagree. And what I'll say is I will agree that anglers are very secretive because I'm one of those where I'm not going to tell people the pattern I'm on type of deal. Like I have my close network 
and those people will know exactly what I'm doing. And beyond that, you could probably have a guess or you'll see it in a YouTube video and that's about all you're going to get out of me. Yeah. Um, that being said, I will heavily disagree on the kayak anglers not helping out new anglers. I have never seen a kayak angler not go out of their way to help other kayak anglers at the ramp, on the water, whatever it may be. When it you put the actual fishing, like what they're catching aside, kayak anglers are one of the most helpful people, I think, at the ramp. I don't know yeah, how many times yeah. this is a big shout out to Brad Case. How many times mm-hmm. I, how many, he probably helped launch five boats like at the Possum Kingdom launch mm-hmm. last year at the Bass Kayak Championship before he even launched himself. There was a bunch of uh, striper guides going out and he helped launch their boats for them. And I think oh, he yeah. was actually late onto the water because of that. Yep. He also picked up a kayak for me from Crescent because one of our guys needed it. Um, I think it was Robert Weicker at the Bassmaster Kayak Series Championship because I knew I'd put a message out who's coming from, you know, uh, through Georgia, you know, from Alabama, you know, from that direction. And he, I think you know, Brad's in Mississippi. He said he was. And I said, and hey, do you have a space on your trailer? He said, yeah, sure. I'll stop by. He stopped by, picked it up, brought, and was on the way to get over there. Actually, he was leaving the parking lot after he strapped it down, and his transmission literally just went out of his truck right mm, then. He had man. to rent a U-Haul. His truck was worked on there, rented a U-Haul, still hooked the trailer up, and still brought the kayak over to us, to Robert and I. So he, you know, he's a good That's example awesome. of somebody. Uh, but there are a million different examples in the kayak world of people who are just so so helpful and i hope it stays that way for sure i know tournament mm-hmm. you know payouts and entry fees and coverage and credibility whatever you want to say is getting bigger and that's going to create some you know yeah. competitiveness but i hope it always stays that way for sure he's a good good dude for sure yeah, yeah. steve fields added in there saying in all my years around the world without question kayak anglers are more helpful to those new in the sport so yeah that's pretty more that's a lot more sport and i will add on that too like i've been in a bunch of boat tournaments. I've been in a bunch of kayak tournaments. You know, I've had boat tournaments. It's more local ones where guys are, you know, free spirits and like going out to have fun, joking with each other at the ramp, you know, over coffee, whatever. But I've also been in like bigger scale tournaments where like it almost seems cutthroat or like people don't want to talk to each other at the ramp when you're launching. Whereas like launches for the kayak tournaments are some of like, you're just going fishing with your boys. Like that's really what it seems like. Yeah, most yeah. cases. I mean, there's a few. I think there's a few bad apples out there that are like take it way too serious in terms of that. Uh-huh. Uh, which look out for Nolan Miner's new video because that'll be a great example of a bad apple. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, he had a, a lovely run in. Um, but for you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, like I mean, not that except maybe not Drew because he doesn't see anyone at the ramps that he goes to. <laughs> Um, yeah <laughs> but everyone's usually having a great very time. lonely <laughs> yeah yeah i mean once that clock you know strikes i mean i think everyone's serious and they're competitive but like people are helping each other at the ramp like they're having a conversation and like there's there's certain people that'll talk and tell them where they're going to fish mm-hmm. and like you know like brady and i at you follow told each other exactly where we're gonna be so you know we weren't stepping on each other's toes and you know, like we're, I think we were genuinely like we wanted to win, but like genuinely we're rooting for each other too at the same time, which is weird. If that makes yeah. Any yeah. sense, it does, man. And it kind of almost leads into another, you know, myth or maybe it's just something we want to like just touch on is that we're not trying to ever take away anything from. I think sometimes maybe people in the bass boat world are like, man, they're, you know, we're not trying to take away away anything from them or 
you know, we're just trying to add to the sport of bass fishing. You know what I mean? Like that started with them. We're trying to come in and add to it and not take anything away. So I think some people might feel like, you know, I don't want to, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why a lot of the, the, some of the, I won't say a lot, but some of the national bass fishing media, I'll call them bass fishing, not bass boat fishing media, because they are, you know, bass fishing. No one's podcast or name says bass boat. It all says, you know, it's all about bass fishing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why some of them don't, you know, still haven't kind of, you know, really embrace the kayak anglers in terms of them being on as guests. Um, and, and maybe live stream has something to do with it. We're not live. So people can't follow along and see us. They also, maybe also our, our, our purses aren't, you know, we're not winning hundred grand or 50 K every tournament. I don't know why, but we're not, I don't know if it's, if they feel like, well, they're just trying to take away a little bit of what we're doing or Whoops. I don't know, but you're right, Zach. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> you got lit up now. Um, but anyway, I don't know. So I just want to dis- dispel that too. Like we're, we're just in this to help the whole thing, not take over or surpass. We're just, like you said, everyone in kayak fishing that I know is super passionate and friendly and just wants to help grow the whole thing in a positive way. Yeah. yeah I think I'll add absolutely. on that with, uh, and agree that, so the anglers, the organizations, all of them are taking themselves seriously in terms of it's a legitimate professional sport. You know, you can, you can have this conversation of what's, who's a pro and who's not type of deal. But I think if you're fishing for a living, you can technically be, I think in my mind, be called a pro. Okay. Like, as, and you're successful, I should say, but yeah. And there's it's always like this. A, yeah. yeah like no we're way. trying to get kayak anglers to this level of where people look to them. I mean, a lot of them are at the stage where people look to them for advice for, you know, to learn from. Right. Um, but until the bass fishing media really gives kayak anglers the credibility that you know, they, and they keep saying they want them to have it. But until you give them that credibility, it's not going to get there. Like, you, I mean, the, all the pieces are in the of the puzzle are there except for one. And it's just people putting credibility to the name of uh, it's probably just going to be a time deal. Right. But it's, like you mentioned, Drew, people not having certain folks on shows. You know, if right. you're not going to, you can't add the credibility until you basically give it, if that makes any sense. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. And these yeah. Hobie BOS is getting maxed out like they are. I mean, we're, it's pushing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something's gonna have to. Something's gonna have to change to like uh, accommodate that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's people gonna are have really to be some attention. kind of restructuring down the road in a few years to, you know, to another level. You know what I mean? Does yeah. that make any sense? Yeah. It's got. So, yeah. It's got, it'll happen. And I think a lot of people uh, from the bass fishing media and the you know the boater professional side i think they're really paying attention but i just think they're not it's not as public facing whereas like after i'd won that i was really kind of taken aback of who's watching um a lot more people than you think huh a lot more people and the people that reached out some of them like dang i didn't even realize you were looking or keeping holy crap yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so i think it's, it's going in the right direction it's just those certain you know, platforms need to give credit where credit is due. And that's not just boat anymore. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. for sure. I know I see Lawrence Smith comment here. He says, I'm waiting to see what Bassmaster does for more coverage for kayaks. And I mean, honestly, they're, they're doing, I mean, they're doing a pretty darn good job, I would say, because they cover the Hobie BOS um, on the website as well. They cover 
their Bassmaster kayak series. And then, I mean, being, you know, the most, um, you know, recent winner for the a Bassmaster event. I mean, I, now I had to go work for it and kind of, you know, twist it, not like twist anybody's arm. I had to at least like make contact with some of the folks, um, these national podcasts and radio shows, but they were more than, than happy to have me on. And, and a lot of them of course called me or, or messaged me to, to have me on the podcast, but you know, a few of them, they definitely, um, I had to contact them, but they're, I just think they were excited about it. They just, like I said, they're kind of lo- been locked in doing the same, that they follow the same series so much that once they start getting that in their heads of their schedule, like, you know, cause in my head, I follow all of it. I follow everything. So every weekend or every weekday, whatever it is, I know which tournament's next. Is it a Toyota series? Is it a, you know, whatever elite series event is it an open i follow it all so they just have to get that in their head of the routine like okay is there a bassmaster kayak or is there a hobie or is the kbf tournament once they start to kind of get that and start following it enough they're going to see a lot of the same names pop up they're going to start to become a fan and learn it you know follow us on social media the ones who do it and they're going to start to kind of get that man these guys really know what they're talking about they know what they're doing they're well spoken and I think that my viewers and audience could learn something new and bring some juice that's from a different angle that no one's ever heard before. Um, and, and one of these days, maybe someone will cross over and kind of, I know a lot of people want to see it happen. Like one kike angler, just cross over, go to the boat side, kick some butt. Jason just to sort of prove. Yeah. Well, he was a boater. Bassmaster AOI. But I mean, it's still, I guess it still counts. Yeah, but he, he was a boater. I think first, then he went and did a, um, a kayak of, uh, event to, to get at, top, um, the championship. Yeah. And he, um, but I think he was a boater first was already fishing that stuff Probably. out there. But I mean, someone that's been more considered in the kayak scene and I've considered okay. it, even just doing three opens, let's just go into one, one region or do the MPFL, you know, we should throw them out there. They're a great series that only has six events. So you could afford to still fish your kayak stuff and do that. Now we get into the whole big problem of, well, I got to get the boat and the graphs and the motor and the, you're an express type of guy. I have for sure am an express type of guy. And there you go. Trust me, I've considered, uh, and actually was trying to talk to them before we had, uh, you know, the birth of our, our daughter here. And you, know, you're, you get reminded how crazy that first year and couple years is. <laughs> I was considering getting in the MPFL. I talked to Brad Knight, the owner. Uh, I've talked to, you know, Fat Cat. and talked to the guys at Express a little bit. I talked to John Stokup, uh Walked me over there and introduced me to some folks. And I, I could have certainly pulled the trigger. Uh, I'm interested for sure, because I do think that forward facing sonar and, you know, I think Keith Carson, what he does and John Cox are good examples. You mm-hmm. can still win doing that, um, that kind of stuff you, you can. So anyway, I, I think it opens up a little bit of a, a gap in that, that area. And I might break down trying to get to a spot and I might have zero, but I mean, I also could, could win the thing, you know, very easily trying to get to some crazy stuff that, uh, but you have 200 boats in an open or whatever, 250. You're, most likely somebody else has got a smaller 18 foot because they allow some smaller boats in those, um, and probably oh, has yeah. found it as well. Because if they got that small boat, yeah, you know they probably found that stuff. But the most skimpbacks you know, be getting way back up. In yeah, <laughs> right. You never know. But anyway, he, don't, he don't know what a skimpback is. Basically, don't I don't know, know what a skimpback skimp is. Is this a Louisiana thing? What's going on down there? It's just it's just like a little old tiller handle that you can get. Just about anywhere you want, you can jump logs and everything. There you that go. would be nice, dude. I, I did look up there. all the rules. I know all the rules, and that would be not allowed for sure. Uh, oh, a, 
you have to have you can't even bring extra gas tanks they've got to be whatever the manufacturer is installed you've got to have a 150 minimum i think 18 foot was the minimum length for an open um and you know you're carrying a co-angler around and no jet motors obviously stuff like that so i mean i got i got it all kind of figured out in terms of the rules it's just a matter of how, that's a massive expense to you know what i mean hit up on all the sponsors yeah. of, uh, you know everyone to plus the well, yeah. fees go up i mean it's just starting from yeah, if scratch. you're gonna make that kind of an investment you need to be yeah you need to be it's fully tough, invested man. right to compete yep. to justify it just to do three tournaments a year or six you know mpfl it's a yeah. lot you have to do and it's hard enough for me to get all my kayaks ready for the year because uh, i usually get you know new ones over there as well on that side um since i work work for the company and I know a lot of anglers do who are sponsored because the companies do want them in the newest colors and newest models, all the upgraded yeah. features and things like that. It, it takes a lot of work, not as much work as the, the on the boater side, but it takes a lot of work to switch over boats every single year. And then you add in that I use four. Now that I don't move the solo skiff over, it stays the same. But um, but anyway, switching over even a two or three of them is tough. So. Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. Well, boys, do you guys have anything, any last miss or misconceptions before we uh, wrap it up here tonight? Mm. Anything we're forgetting? I'm sure there's more. We can always do it episode two. But but wait, there's more. What do the comments say? Anything juicy? I don't know, <laughs> but while you're looking, if you want to look at those, I mean, I would just, the last thing I would just say is we've kind of touched on, but never really said it. Just like, just straight up, like, you know, these kayak anglers today, they're, um, sort of looking up to other kayak anglers, you know, their kids are being born today or in their whatever, 10, 11, 12 years old. They, it's not just the boater world. So they're looking up to kayak anglers and that's who they're, they're learning from. They, they desire to be in the kayak space and the kayak anglers are at the top are just as good. That's a misconception. They are just as good as the top. And Mike, I said it too. You don't have to listen to me. I'm not saying this cause I'm a kayak angler. If you want to term me that, whatever, Ike said it, you know, others have said it. I mean, I fished with, uh, back when I filmed Hooked on Wild Waters, I fished with, you know, Stetson Blaylock and Latimer and Chris Lane on episode. I fished with a lot of the, these top guys. Bailey, I know you have. I know you have too, Zach. Like, we fished with a lot of sticks, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. there's a lot of guys out there that could be on the Elite Series that just don't want to travel. They're just local sticks that are just as good. Yeah. And everyone knows that Absolutely. and believes that. Everyone believes that and knows that. And I just want to make sure, yeah, everyone, like, Kayak anglers, man, the top 10% of our field, we're choosing that. We could go and fish the boater side and probably do pretty well, but we love kayak and that's why we're here and that's where, where we want to be. We're just, it's by choice. But in terms of our fishing ability, you know, right up there, I think, with a lot of the top guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Can you absolutely or deny this comment from Jake saying that you have skied on the back of two alligators in Florida while skipping a chatterbait. <laughs> well, dude, I felt like I was uh, almost doing that. I had some pretty hairy situations with some gators. It's kind of a long story, but um, it's uh, uh, it's for another time, which I, maybe I've even shared on here before. Uh, the Kissimmee tournament was a couple years ago. It was pretty, pretty insane being in a kayak. That's story. It's little, yeah. 10 uh, or 11 footer with, with kayaks that are 15 foot. It definitely, Whoops intimidating for sure but <laughs> well we'll have to have on, you. The, on the little lamp here <laughs> drew what we'll do is we have actually have episode 300 coming up when we have our carved out time to get a bunch of guests on and do story time we'll we'll notch that down and have you 
give us that story. But uh, pretty good one. Heck yeah! Before I think Zach, you know, kills this truck he's in with the the light for this. Oh, we're good for this podcast. Just making um, sure the folks at home can see my handsome face. Your your bright and shining half face. of yeah, my yeah. handsome face. It looks like Scarface the, right now. You do. You look like the low light at the bar. Yeah, know, <laughs> yeah. Like I look o'clock. good from far Looking away. But you get close to me, like ooh. <laughs> well, boys, I think uh, like right. we should wrap it up here. But uh, that was a uh, that was a fun episode. I think it calls for an episode two, and you, know, you yeah, get some good. more folks in that could add some different perspectives to it. But I think there's overall, a lot more. yeah, there's a lot more questions I'm sure, or comments too. I'm sure stuff oh, we'll okay. think about when we get off. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure, Definitely. for sure. Well, boys, do you guys have anything you want the folks to know before we tune out here? Hmm. <sighs> No, I don't, think so. I don't know. <laughs> go fish. Get out and yeah. go fishing. Go fish. Yeah. Tis, <laughs> don't let tis the your season. work consume your life. I will go uh fishing. tis the season. I'll be at yeah. uh Bassmaster next uh Lewis Smith Lake over there in Alabama. So that's where I'm heading next. So wish me luck, Zach. Uh where are you heading bow. next? Broken bow, good luck, dude. Yeah, I wanted to be there. Bow. It's my son's birthday, of course. Not gonna miss that, but I wish oh, you yeah. luck, man. I'll be following along. Appreciate Bailey. it, you too. You basking in your uh, win? You're gonna fishing. Of course, you fished a tournament this past weekend, but he's I gonna know. soak it up so he ain't gotta risk any defeat here anytime yeah. soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a tournament this past weekend, uh, and then probably gonna do some fun fishing this weekend. Tournament next weekend, but uh, right now I'm trying to grind out the uh, episode one and two of Chasing Hardware. So if folks have not there seen that go. yet, that'll be posted up on the Be the Fish YouTube channel. It's all about. Uh, all through the kayak, you know, the Hobie BOS series that I've been filming. So for the folks that are tuning in are most likely kayak anglers. Uh, if you're not and you're looking to get into kayak fishing, check that series out because it's it's going to be fun. This one's going to be on Lake Ufala, obviously. So you'll see the win. Oh, you'll yeah. see what goes down. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So check that out. Check but, it uh, out. Well, everybody, everybody knows you won Ufala. I mean, pretty much everybody watching. But you did just win a local tournament, too, like this past weekend. Every, does yeah. everybody know about that yet? It was like 60-something nah. people. You won? I didn't know you won that. You won. Dude, that's awesome. Congrats, man. Winning streak. <laughs> yeah. Two, yeah. Hot Two right in a row. Kept the, the streak alive. It was our uh, Sheesh. our annual opener for New York kayak bass fishing. Yeah, Forrest yeah. called me when y'all got off the water, and he told me you won. And I was like, holy crap. This, is animal. this man's on fire. He's uh, uh, like, like he can keep it going. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like Siddiqui, too, man. Like. Yeah. Once you get on fire, once you get on fire, it's it's unreal. I know Russ and Jody and Cody Milton, Guillermo. There's been uh, Christine. There's been some folks. Once you start catching it, just something happens. You just start. You just Ride black it. out. You black out for a little while. I don't even know what happened. You just next it's thing wild. you know, you're five, six events in a row. You're top five and top ten. So, but Hopefully yeah, we can keep it going. We got one next weekend, and then I think we might have one more before we're back at the Hobie BOS series on Chickamauga in a month. So, literally a month. So it'd be be interesting but either way i appreciate you boys for for joining in tonight a lot of fun as always and looking forward to seeing you both real soon but uh, i think without further ado we will see folks on friday well that was an awesome show hope you guys enjoyed it if you can and your app allows it 
please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Searsanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.